Hey, thanks for taking a few minutes today to tune in. We pray that no matter where you're listening from, these messages are engaging, encouraging, and relevant to where you are on your life's journey. But I can probably speak for about the six billion people plus in our world. Your mouth has got you in trouble at some point in your life. And uh, we are so excited ish, quote unquote, to tackle a sermon series called My Big Fat Mouth. And as everybody runs for the hills, because you know what, it's, it's fine to talk about something that we don't struggle with or something we don't deal with, but it really is hard to sit and listen sometimes when it's like, oh yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. So let's put it all out there. This is me. This is everybody struggles with taming our mouths at times. And, um, The Bible actually says, or Jesus said in the Bible, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Now, that is true, but that is one of the truths that hurt. Because it's kind of like, sometimes I speak things with my mouth, I'm kind of like, that actually came from my heart. Man, my heart must not be right, right now. We're going to tackle the series, and please, you know what? Let's be big men and women. Let's put on our big boy pants and big lady shoes, and let's show up over this series because not only is it going to speak to our lives, I believe that it's going to change our lives, impact our lives, and make our city, our families, our homes, our country a better place because we're going to dive into and actually get a little part of this right on what the Bible says about our big fat mouths over the over four weeks. So it's going to be two weeks. Next week, you're in for a treat. My wife, Shauna Lee, the lead pastor of Discovery Church, is speaking next week. You got to bring a, yes, come on. We got to get like, some, some female perspective on our big fat mouths, okay? You need to bring a friend. You need to be here early. We'll have the coffee on. It is going to be a good week. So we're going to do two weeks, and then we're going to split it in the middle because Sean Lee and I are gone on vacation, and we're going to have three guest speakers, which you don't want to miss those weeks, and we're going to come back, and we're going to tackle two more. And over this, this series, these are the things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about criticizing. Nobody's got a problem with that. The problem with lying And we're also going to talk about gossip. Now, again, we all want to run for the hills, but let's be big individuals and let's come back, mature individuals, and say, okay, God, what do you want to speak to me? Today, to introduce today's topic, I want to bring you into my house for a moment. Now, we have two kids, one six-year-old who's Sophia and a three-year-old who is Hudson. Now, I want you to sort of pretend that you're around our dinner table. Our cabinets are white. We've done lots of renovations. We're very, we're very thankful and grateful for our home that we can host people. If you've been over, you know our home. If, if you haven't been over, I hope at some point in our next little while that we can have you over to our house to, to hang out. We would love that. We should put up a sign-up sheet right at the back door. Sign-up times. But Sean Lee, my, my wife, honestly is one of the best cooks I know. And for that, I'm very thankful. She is, she is so good. And it's like, but because she is so good, she likes to experiment. She likes trying new things. And 99% of the time, even when she experiments, it's really, really, really good. I love it, okay? I come home and there's like, what is this? I don't know. I just put some things together. This is 
delicious. But if you've ever been around a six-year-old and a three-year-old during dinner time, no matter what you put in front of them, if it's new, what comes out of their mouth? Yuck. It's gross. Literally, that's what happens, okay? And I look at Hudson, look at Sophie. I was like, your mom worked really, really hard. Like, can you at least try and we're like, give me noodles. I want Kraft Dinner. I'm like, you want 50 cent Kraft Dinner over chicken Parmesan. What is wrong with you? Literally, right? Complain, complain, complain. And, and I try two or three times. And then I get to the point and I look at Hudson and I look at Sophia and I grab them by the, no, I don't grab them. I'm kidding. I don't do that. But I'm like, you sit there, and you eat it, and you're going to like it, and you're going to thank your mom that she made it afterwards, okay? And they start crying, and eventually, sometimes, not always, sometimes he will get craft dinner. Don't judge me. If you don't have kids, come to my house. If you have kids, bring them to my house. Today, we want to talk about the topic, complaining. Now, the moment that I think about complaining in the Bible, my mind goes back to the Old Testament, to the Israelites. Now, the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians for hundreds of years, right around the 400-year mark. Can you imagine being slaves? Like, it's so tough for us to even comprehend that, living in a free country. You know, the closest thing that comes to slavery is my six-year-old having to vacuum up after dinner because she wasted all of her craft dinner on the floor, right? It's child labor. Get out here. You're going to like it. Eat it. Off the floor. I don't care if it's a vacuum cleaner. No, I'm kidding. I don't do that. But you think about it. While, while the Israelites were in Egypt, they complained. So the Israelites being God's chosen people, God put a plan together to free the Israelites after 400 years. This miraculous plan, if you read in the Bible, he sent 10 plagues on the Egyptians. He split the Red Sea in a half so the Israelites could walk through. He made water come from rocks. He, made, he, he had uh, bread fall from heaven, fall from the sky so they would be fed. There's clothes. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And the Bible says that their clothes never even ran out, didn't wear out. So they wore the same shoes, the same clothes. They weren't, they weren't in on trends and, and fashion. They just wore the same thing every day, day in, day out, and didn't wear out. And if you read through this process, you would see what did they do? They complained. They whine. Yeah, yeah, manna, yeah. Right? Exodus 14, 11 gives us a count of it. This is what it reads. It says, why did you bring us out of here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be slaves in Egypt than, to, than a corpse in the wilderness. In slavery, they complained. When they were free, they complained. Kind of sounds like us sometimes. Well, it's too cold. I got to wear another layer. 
Oh, it's so hot outside. Complaint. Oh, well, there wasn't enough food on my plate. I went to the restaurant and I paid $22.95 for occasion blackened chicken and I'm still hungry. Let me go to McDonald's. Oh, I feel so gross when I do that to myself. Right? We complain, complain, complain. Oh, well, church is too early. Oh, well, church. I can't go to one in the afternoon or evening because that doesn't work with my timetable. We complain, complain, complain. But then, then to add insult to, to the Israelites, get this. This is what Moses says to them just a few verses later in Exodus 16. It says, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And think about that for a moment. They were complaining against the Lord when things weren't going the way they wanted. Imagine if every time that we complained, God actually seen it as though we're complaining towards him. Perhaps that might be the way that he does see it. Take an honest look at yourself, ourselves. Can we, can we just be like vulnerable and real? We're real people in pursuit of a real God in real lives, not perfect. But what do you complain about the most? Who woke up yesterday morning and decided and looked at this outside and went, are you kidding me right now? Winter? Oh, yuck. No, I didn't because I knew what I was speaking about this morning. Okay, I had to be purposeful, and I even posted something on Instagram because I knew that I was going to be speaking this morning, and I had to change that. I didn't like the snow on the ground, but I had to be thankful. I had to be grateful. Some of us complain because we're not married. And then we get married and we complain about our spouse, thinking that maybe one side I'll get it right. Right? Maybe we complain about the money being a little too tight. Our house being too small. Our car being too old. My boss drives me crazy! Complain, complain, complain. It might be about the smaller things, like the weather. But we want green grass, but we don't want the snow that makes it green. Right? Oh, the grass is too dry. Well, you didn't want... uh, Or maybe... There's nothing to watch on TV. Netflix hasn't put anything on the television for three and a half days. What am I going to watch for the next 16 and a half hours while I try to believe that I can't sleep? The Wi-Fi. Ugh. So slow. I find myself complaining when I go to my office and it, and it tries to attach myself to Shaw and I have to go into settings and tell it which Wi-Fi to pick so I can actually get access. It's like, oh, stupid Shaw. But if you were a Shaw person, you're kind of like, man, this Shaw thing is amazing. 
right? Complain, complain, complain. Can I just put it out there to us that the weather, the Wi-Fi, that your spouse, your car, your home, your money situation, your work situation is not the problem. The problem in our complaining is that we've taken our eye off the goodness of God and we placed our eyes on ourselves. And because our eyes are fixed on ourselves, we begin to complain. Paul, who's one of the heroes of, of the Bible, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible, so don't go out of this place. We just believe that the Bible is so instrumental to your life that we would love to give you a Bible. So if you stop by the guest center after and just say, hey, Pastor Lauren talked about there being Bibles. Could I grab one? We'd love to give you a Bible. And you, in the Bible, you'll read about this guy by the name of Paul. He writes this powerful letter in Philippians. And as you're reading about Paul, you will come to realize that Paul, out of anybody, had the right to complain. Paul's dream, his desire, his passion was to go to Rome and to preach about Jesus, to preach the gospel to the Romans because he knew that if he could reach the Roman leaders, he'd have an opportunity to impact the entire world. So Paul's dream was to go to Rome as a preacher. But if you continue reading in this book, you'll see that actually Paul went to Rome to become a prisoner. Went to be a preacher, became a prisoner. But if you actually continue reading the story, you would see that Paul would have actually been shipwrecked, beaten by snakes. And here we find him that he's actually sitting in prison, chained up for 24 hours a day, and every eight hours, a shift change, and a new guard comes and chains himself to Paul for two years. I don't know about you, but if I found myself chained up to a prison guard in prison, not even for a, a bad crime, just saying, I want to reach people for the gospel, I probably would have complained. I probably would have said things like, well, God, why am I here? Why would this happen to me? Why, why, why? When, 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 yuck, yuck, yuck. But Paul says this in Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And a lot of translations will say, do everything without complaining. Why? So that you may be bl become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Now, I find it really hard to believe that Paul didn't complain. And everything, be thankful. But he did it. Do everything without complaining. Wherever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are, whoever you're with, don't complain. It's crazy to think that a, biblic, a biblical principle that's, if, if you're a Christian here, you might say a spiritual principle. It's not just a spiritual thing, but it's actually very, has some very practical reasons as well. Dr. Dr. Travis Bradbury, who's done a lot of study about complaining, says repeated complaint, complaining hardwires the brain to do 
more complaining. Essentially, the more negative you are, the more negative we are, the more likely the brain will trigger our thoughts to think negative. You expect something to be bad, it will be bad. Some people walked in here today with a preconceived idea that church was going to be bad. Why am I going to go to church to sing songs and clap hands and to listen to somebody speak to me or talk to me or talk together? Why would I do that? You already have this preconceived idea that this one hour is not going to be the best hour of your week, but I'm just doing it because my family wanted me to go. And you already have this preconceived idea that it's going to be horrible. Guess what? It will be horrible because you already made up your mind and determined what it will be like when you leave at 11. We've already hardwired our brains. We walk into a new job at McDonald's and we like their Big Macs, but we don't like everything else. And we're like, well, I don't like my job at McDonald's. And guess what? You're not going to like it. You're not going to live in the fullness that God has for you if we walk into a situation and we are already saying that I don't like it. If you walk home from work or you drive home from work and you've had a horrible time in the morning and your wife and, and you got into a fight and your kids were screaming and you're, you're going home and you're driving and saying, I don't want to go home there. I don't like it there. Guess what? You're not going to like it and you're not going to love the kids the way that you should because you already have a preconceived idea of what it's going to be like when you get home. This was the problem with the Israelites. They were negative when they were captive. They were negative when they were free. Their mindset trained them to be negative. As I look at that for us, I like reading the Bible and saying, well, what application does that have for me? What application does that have for us? What application does that have for people in Millwoods and people in Edmonton and people in Canada? And people, like, what, what application does what I'm reading today actually make a difference? See, thinking this way can be so dangerous. And I can't speak for you but I want to put me in it for a second. I want to tell you the way I want to view it. I don't want to go through life looking for the bad. There's enough bad out there. I want to train my mind to find what is good, what is pleasant, things that are helpful, things that are hopeful, instead of always focusing on the negative in life. Paul's letter to the Philippians, it teaches a couple of things. The first thing that Paul teaches us about complaining is this. If you can change your circumstance, if there's something negative and you can do something about, then do something about it. Don't go through life and pretend that everything is okay. We say that we're imperfect people in pursuit of a perfect God. And sometimes we have to shake things off and, and, and to look at, at uh, the good, even though life might seem bad right now. When a flat tire comes on our car, be thankful that you have a car. When you have the flu, maybe be thankful that you're not in the hospital 
We don't have to pretend that everything is okay. We look around our, our city, our country, and that we see some injustice, some things that could be done, some things that maybe our government could do, maybe some things that our church could do, maybe some things that our schools should be doing or our workplaces should be doing. It is not wrong to notice those things. But ask yourself the question, can I do something about it? See, don't go around complaining about the dysfunction of our culture or the poor not having food or a place to live. Or should I, can I say, don't go around complaining about the government and, and, your, and your MLAs if you're not willing to do something about it. Well, maybe you should run for office. Maybe, maybe we should run for office. I don't know. I try really hard not to complain. Doesn't always work. But Paul says, maybe you should do something about it. And can I just put it out there? Making a post on social media, complaining, is not something. Okay, cool. If there's a negative circumstance, a situation that you're aware of, I think God's saying, bring your A game. Lace them up. Get in the game. Stop complaining about it. Let's do something about it. Actually, on June the 2nd, we're gonna do something about a need that we've, we've seen in, in and around our community here. I, I came by Nellie Carlson the other day and every bike rack was packed full. Kind of like, man, how could we serve a need in our community? One of, the, one of the wealthiest postal codes in our city, what could we do? We're like, let's do a spring bike tune-up. See, I could have been like, oh, man, we can't do nothing. All, all these people are, seem to be very wealthy. What, what, can we, what can we do? What can we do to serve a need? Well, well we're just using their facility. That, no, 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 no. We want to be a part of the community. We want to be reaching people. We want to be filling a need. So guess what? June the 2nd, we're going to be actually doing a, 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 a spring bike tune-up. And we're going to need you guys to, to get in, in on it. And to stay around and hang out and bring friends and bring people and, and bring, bring people with bikes and, and tell the neighbors. And guess what? I shared it with our, the principal who's allowed us to use this school. And he's not only keeping it at this school, he's bringing it to nine others in the area. So June the 2nd, let's stop complaining. Let's do something about it. But then I think Paul teaches us this as well. That if you can't change your circumstance, there's sometimes that you just can't change your circumstance. We get it. Maybe you're married to a horrible individual and you can't change that circumstance. You can't change it. I think Paul's teaching us, but we can change our perspective. I know that's a word that we, we've used often, change your perspective. I think first Paul says, if you can do something about it, do it. But if you can't, change what you say about it. Change what you see in those circumstances. Paul is chained up 24 hours a day, a different person every eight hours for two years straight. His dream was to preach to the Romans, but now he's a prisoner to the Romans. And this is what he writes in verse 17. But I will rejoice even if 
I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Now, how did Paul do this? Chained up, in prison, waiting a sentence, waiting, waiting to be, be executed. See, Paul did this because Paul was not the center of his own story. He knew that Jesus was the center of his story. And because Jesus was the center, Paul could take a negative circumstance and he could change his perspective and know that God is willing and active and moving his life because he says, for all, for he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. If you read all of the book of Philippians, Paul would say at the beginning, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I read that and be like, Paul, you're in prison. You're chained up to a different individual. You're hungry. You could be free. You could be preaching. You could be preaching a message with lights and a stage and a sound system and a really nice three screens. You could be preaching to the Roman Empire, but you're saying, well, it, it, is, it, is, all, it is all joy. It is all good. It is all to advance the gospel. How is that advancing the gospel? See, he's not complaining about, he's not complaining, but he is changing his perspective. Is seeing God at work in every circumstance. Put your, maybe change your perspective in a moment. And try to put your, your mind into Paul. How could Paul say being in prison is what God had planned? As I, as I read it and, and thought about Paul, I could kind of picture him like, ha ha, you think, they think I'm the prisoner. Well, they, guess what? I'm chained up to a different person every eight hours. Guess what? I can preach the gospel to every prison guard that comes in here for eight hours. He's going to get a new message about the goodness of Jesus, about the greatness of God. And guess what? Another eight hours, I'm going to preach to another one. And another eight hours, I'm going to get to preach to another one. And guess what? Paul goes on and he starts to change the Roman Empire from inside the prison, not from up on a pedestal. His perspective changed. He says, God, if this is where you got me, then you can use me. If this is where you got me, this was my plan, but guess what? This is God's plan, and I'm not the center of my story. God, you're the center of my story, and whatever situation you put me in, whatever circumstance comes up, guess what? I'm going to praise you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to say, God, you can do something that only you can do because he, he has a plan for you, and it will not waver, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, we have no idea how God is going to use what others would see as negative to advance the gospel. You might be in a place right now. Shereen, if you could come back. You might be in a place right now that you just don't like. Just don't make sense. 
You didn't draw it up this way. You might be in a place that you wish if God could just take you out of it, even if you don't believe God's real and you're kind of like, well, God, if you are real, could you just remove me from it? Can I tell you that God still has a plan? He has a purpose. God still has an assignment for each and every person. It may not be what you chose. It may not even be what you wanted. But that doesn't mean that God can't use it to push the gospel forward. Paul was chained up. What are you chained up to today? Maybe it's a painful relationship. Maybe you're chained up to a job situation that you don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you're chained up to a horrible financial problem. If you can do something about it, do it. If you can pray it through, pray it through. If you can work hard, work hard. If you can get counseling, get counseling. Seek wisdom. If you can do something about it, do it. But if you can't do something to change your circumstance, change your perspective. Rather than complaining about something that you cannot change, change. Choose to see God's perspective and his power at work, even in the middle of something you'd never ask for. I'm encouraged every week when I see Vianne coming across our parking lot. For those of you who uh, may, this may be your first time or you don't know Vianne, uh, you should get to know her. You're not on the outside wondering who Vianne is. Vianne is uh, the lady that's in, in the back corner right now in a wheelchair. She has the biggest smile. You need to go up. She'll, she'll literally make your day better and, and, and lift a load off your life. You're like, man, why can't I just have a bit of that? just want to give you a little bit of an insight. I think if I got my, my facts right, just briefly after getting engaged to Vaughn, who's serving in our kids today, she woke up in a matter of four hours from eight to 12. She contracted a virus that left her from walking to completely paralyzed. I don't think if you, if, you, if you read her book or if you talk to her, she probably never planned it. It's not the way she would have drawn it, drew it up. It's probably not what she wanted for her life. But for those of us who know Vienna, I hope you all have the opportunity to get to know her a little bit more. Make Discovery Church home and you will get to know her. She's, she's amazing. Here's the thing. For those of us that, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of all of us. I've never heard Vianne complain. Not only that, she's not only, I haven't heard her complain, she's actually using something that we would all look at probably being a little bit negative 
or we wouldn't want it to happen to get on stages all over our world, all over our country to talk about the goodness and faithfulness of God. See, sometimes our prisons look a little different. But Paul wasn't the center of his life. I look at Vianne. Vianne's not the center of her life. I look at me and I pray and I hope that God could be the center of my life. If you can change your circumstance, if you can't change your circumstance, change your perspective. Change the way you look at it. Change the way you think about it. The way you speak about it. Paul said, even if, so even if I don't like my life, even if I am oozing away in a hospital bed, even if I only have a few days left on earth, I will rejoice. Why? Because in the middle of things I never would have asked for, I can still see a glimpse of the goodness of God. He is still with me. He is still in me. He is still working through me. He is still good. David says in Psalms 103, verse 2, says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Now, how do I make God the center of my life and not allow it to be about Lorne, not allow it to be about me? Well, one of the first ways is that we need to make a decision in our lives to say, okay, God, I, I, I want to live for you. I want to make a difference. I want to I, I live this full life that I read about in the Bible, the first thing you need to do is make a decision to say, okay, God, I need your help. I need a savior. I'm, a, I'm an imperfect person in pursuit of a perfect God. Would you come in? Would, would, so we need to acknowledge that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins, for our mess ups. And in a moment, I'm gonna give us all the opportunity to do that. If you've never done that before, But a couple other ways is for those that may, may be in this mind space that we always think to the negative. We always seem to be complaining about something. We have to retrain our mind to think about and to see the goodness of God. Here is a God that forgives all of our sins. He looks at our past and says, oh, that's, that's gone. It's not a negative. If I want to use any of it, it's going to be for a positive to, to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom. But don't worry about it. It's forgiven. We can complain or we can see that God is a God that heals all my diseases. We can complain or we can recognize that God is the one that redeems us. We can complain or we can see that God fills our lives with good things. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Get it, life can be difficult.
but we can choose to look at the goodness of God. There are so many questions that you may have about faith in Jesus. Can I encourage you to explore those questions for yourself? God is not afraid of your questions. Rather, he welcomes them. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play and be sure to never miss an episode. If you find these talks beneficial, would you rate and review them? That would help others get connected to these kinds of talks. Have a great day. Can't wait to hang with you again next week.